0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to episode 54 of Maker That Money, the podcast where we talk about maker entrepreneurship, uh, just making in general, and uh, get up to other fun and shenanigans. With me this morning, uh, Mr. Andrew Mayhall. We've upped our game. If you haven't seen, we're doing like kind of the the talking head newscast style thing. So, you know, let us know in the comments what you think, of course, of that. Not that I'm going to change it if you have any complaints, but we'll see. Uh, I am Pooch of Repcord, and we are truly blessed to have with us a, like I said on my tweet, a maker's maker, a man, a true renaissance man, a man that embodies the maker spirit so well, Mr. Caleb Kraft of Make Magazine fame and many other things, the Controller Project. Welcome, Caleb. How are you today?
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm doing fantastic. This yeah.
0: is exciting. Oh, man. I, I got to say, uh, I, we, so we had Sophie Wong on last week, and I know you know Sophie, and yeah. um, I took another stab at trying to write an intro for you, and I had an even harder time with you than I did with Sophie because you've done so many things – but I'm going to let you do the elevator pitch, uh, knowing that, you know, we're in a friendly maker space that has an understanding of it. So, so tell us a little bit about all the things that you do and what your, you know, current focuses are. Sure, sure. Outside. So
1: I, I think the thing that most people would uh, find my name familiar from is Make Magazine, of course. I'm senior editor over there at Make Magazine and Maker Fair.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, you know, I, I, have been working there for years now. So you've probably seen me there before I was there. I was at Hackaday. I ran Hackaday for years Yeah. Um, and on the side, I run a charity called the controller project where we 3d print accessories to help people with physical disabilities, be able to play video games. I've got a whole, like over a hundred volunteers around the world that are 3d printing parts and giving them away to people because insurance doesn't cover this stuff uh, so that they can play video games. Uh, And then on top of that, like any good maker, I've got a thousand other things that I'm doing and learning and failing at that uh, just consume my time. (laughs)
0: Uh, That's, I mean, that's all of us to, to a T, right? And so it's interesting in the, in the context, and we're going to get into this a second after we do all our housekeeping, but in the context of maker entrepreneurship and then, you know, trying to keep the things that bring you joy and you just want to do for fun siloed from that, which brings you income can be a challenge. uh, And I'm sure you can uh, agree. So we'll get into that in a second. But before we do, uh, we have a tradition here on the podcast, Caleb, and I'm, I'm blind siding you with it i should have warned you up front but we do uh try to focus on a positive thing that happens so we do our wins for the week to kick things off so i'll give you a couple seconds right now to think about just something good that happened. it can be in your personal life it can be in your business life it can be anything and i'm gonna we'll start with andrew so that you can kind of be thinking while he goes um and andrew i know you have one prepped mm-hmm. what's your what's your win my friend
3: oh, i mean i'm just just happy that you know things are going so good so oh oh you're gonna just <laughs> be completely general
0: simple. you know what that's yeah that's yeah more than fine we're, we're happy to hear <laughs> that caleb yeah. you got anything what's something positive what's the good energy for you today
1: that was such a cop. It this was is like when the family gets together and has to do what they're thankful for on Thanksgiving. Yeah, it is. It is um,
0: like that, except for Andrew I knows mean, better. He did. We've done this every week for quite a while. So he's going to, I
3: mean, I don't want to keep, I don't want to keep saying like, oh, hey, we're breaking sales records again and again. Yeah. You're you tired know? of bragging. I, mean, it's, <laughs> I'm, I well, it's, I, I don't know what else to say. Like things are great. Like, you know, I'm, I'm happy. I'm excited. Generally things, you know, are moving forward. Uh, so, okay. you know, I, I mean, there's just, I, what what do I focus on?
1: <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, well, let's see, something something good in my life right now, I'll get specific. All right. I've been having a bunch of problems. I have a big, ridiculous van that we like to take on road trips. And uh, I've been having problems with my driver's side window and, and we just took it on a road trip and the window broke while oh, no. we were on this road trip down at like the Southern border, at the Rio Grande, like at Texas and Mexico border. My driver's Gosh. side window broke and so I had to like rig it all the way up and I couldn't put it down and I just fixed it uh you know this week. So my window works again. So when I go to like drive-throughs or the bank, I don't have to like open the door to my ridiculous it's already it's like lifted. Yeah. And it has like a push bar in the front. So this van looks ridiculous already. It sounds then awesome i having to like open the door and like get half out to go to, you know, drive-throughs. So it's like double ridiculous. So I fixed it. I'm happy. That's
0: awesome. Where can we see this van? There's got to be documentation of this van. Is it on your channel? Is it on your YouTube channel? Is it on Twitter? Is it on any of your social? I'm sure there must be.
1: On my YouTube channel, my personal YouTube channel, which I do not try to grow and be professional with. So don't be surprised when you go there and it's just random crap. And I only have a few followers. Uh, on my personal YouTube channel, I did a video about going on this road trip, and I do show the van in that video because uh, we we drove down to to the border to see a little town that has a goat for a mayor, and I thought that was worthy of.
0: I'm video. sorry. the mayor of this town is a goat. Yes. Uh, Clayton how, Henry. that's his name. how does how does that work? Was he is it elected? or is this like more of a figurehead type thing like people actually vote for vote for a goat? I
1: didn't, I felt like researching it would kill the magic. So I yeah, that's didn't a fair, <laughs> that's a fair,
0: that's a fair point. Uh, we so, I just
1: drove down there and visited him. And I mean, and he was a nice goat. Uh, that,
0: that's that's good to hear because I've met some really not so nice goats. They can be really cranky sometimes. <laughs> yeah. You own some goats, don't you? You own a couple, I do, I do. a couple, and five goats, five goats. Yeah. And and other farm animals as well, right? Because I always see you yeah. kind of posting, you, you, you've you had your duck and uh, you, you said you're getting some chickens, It's chicken season?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I got chickens coming in today. I've got a donkey. Man. And if you're into that stuff, I post that stuff on TikTok. They've kind of got their own channel on TikTok and it took off. It's got like <laughs> a quarter million followers.
0: Oh, man. It's ridiculous. Wow. Uh, that's that's fantastic. I mean, and this is exactly what I'm talking about. I I I think I told you ahead of the show too. You know, um, in a former life, like I would never call it a farm, but I was on property. We had animals and all that stuff, and I know how much work that is. Um, and but you know, being a maker myself too, it was just like I wanted to do it. I wanted to understand what it was like, kind of more like living off the land. We had. You know the well and the solar array and all that mm-hmm. stuff, and like that feeling of feeling independent and having a great barn and a good wood shop and all that stuff. So a lot of that stuff I miss, but uh, um, I, I know I know the lifestyle well, and uh, I'm glad you're en- yeah. enjoying it, man. It's a lot of work. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, we gotta, we gotta, uh, say hello to all our friends in the chat. We record 9 a.m. Uh, Pacific time on uh, just about every Friday. We've been pretty consistent lately. I feel uh, pat, pat on the back for us. That's I'm taking that as my win, right? We've got 54 <laughs> episodes in the can now. This whole thing, Caleb, just so you know, I don't know if I told you this. This started as just a bunch of phone calls between Andrew and I as like business owners just needing something to bitch about basically yeah. like so we just have our catharsis moments and we're like we should record this this would be interesting and then people started listening and then before we knew it we were talking to other people as well so and and so the podcast was born so there's a good origin story um greetings to our familiar faces in the chat uh mike thank you for your uh plug and reminder to everybody like smash the subscribe button all that stuff we really appreciate it helps us grow um liz good to see you mr alex gibson sharing his win let's share a win from the uh, community uh he actually cleared down his work queue before the morning of going away for a few days from with his wife. Well, first of all, enjoy your holiday, Alex. That's awesome. I know it feels fantastic to clear off Mm -hmm. that to-do list. Mine is ever in a state of growth.
3: It's never ending. Yeah. (laughs) Um, you know,
0: the, the to-do list is an interesting thing because it's like, I need to put it on there so I don't forget to do the things, but then it's almost depressing and that, that it, there's only ever more things that seem to go on it that never come off of it. So I still need better strategies, I think for coping with my to-do list. I don't know, Caleb, can you relate to that?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I have to not put things on the to-do list because it gets so long. I just won't do anything.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right. At some point it's just the weight becomes too great. Eh, We'll put that down. Uh, Mr. Andrew Rogers with a tenor. Thank you so much for that. Hamilton, my friend contribution, mayor goat representing the livestock party. Uh, good. So there we go. Like, uh, thank you for your contribution. We appreciate you very much for that. Oh, okay. Um, on the show today, uh, we're back to the subject at hand. Make it till you make it. Now, I don't exactly know what that means. I, I kind of came up with it in a uh, stupor of tiredness at the end of the day last night. Uh, it sounded catchy, but it also probably just more—I don't know—pedantic than anything. Um, um, <laughs> it's uh, to me, I what I was going for. Just so you guys know, and you can tell me what you feel. Um, as makers, we have a tendency to want to do all the things, make all the things. We just like making cool stuff. Uh, And that oftentimes runs in direct conflict with what we talk about on the pod here of entrepreneurship in the sense that when you're constantly bouncing around between projects, it makes it really hard to efficiently make a living sometimes. Um, And so balancing that right with that which brings us joy and that which brings us money, so that we can survive, is an uh, ongoing battle. Um, Caleb, you have, speak- you have spoken this morning to a-, a number of the things, and you didn't even get into all of it. A number of the things that you do professionally. <laughs> what are your feels when you know we talk about these things, and and how do you think about like drawing the the barriers between you know the for funsies. And the for munsies, munzees munnies. Yeah, money. yeah. <laughs> well, it's, for me, it's very <laughs>
1: complex. And it's, it's changed a lot over the years, because my actual career, my entire career has shifted multiple times now based off my hobbies. Um, my education is in computer networking. And I was an IT administrator, and I just had a hobby on the side of writing. And that ended up taking over and I, I ended up shifting careers to be an editor um, before that I actually owned a small business of uh, computer gaming and networking and and uh, you know like nice. a land center or a cyber cafe yeah kind of thing nice yeah. <laughs> and uh, I owned a web design studio and and stuff but my my career has shifted um, before that I taught 3d animation which was a hobby of mine in high school but I ended up Starting a career teaching it, yeah, at local universities and then in Portugal for a year. So that that concept of enjoying something and then shifting that into a career is something I've experienced multiple times. Okay. And then when I got into kind of the maker movement, you know, whenever I was writing for Hackaday and I, I realized what was this maker movement mm-hmm. was that kind of shifted more to thinking of like, you know, making stuff, obviously, and we all have those big dreams, we look at the new tool. And we're like, Oh, I could, I could make a bunch of these and sell them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And now, after all these years, I've been doing this now, you know, steeped in this up to my eyebrows for, you know, well over a decade. I've finally gotten to the point where I can combat that a little bit. Because Mm -hmm. what I found is making the thing is never the important part. You can make the thing you can make a 1000 of the thing, the important part is marketing it, right? Yes. And I hate that part. Yes. (laughs) You know, maybe the first week is okay. But after that first week of like, trying to get people to buy the thing you made and trying to get in front of new eyes, I hate that part. And I think a lot of other people hate that part too. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. you know I don't want to speak for anyone else but I, I have a suspicion based on what I've seen right oh yes and so that that kills it for a lot of people um you know and so they'll shift and and they'll you know see something else shiny and think oh I could do that instead and then they make the thing and then they spend a week or two promoting it and then it and then it sucks yeah because you're not making the thing yep. and enjoying that you're you're marketing yeah mm-hmm. um yeah for me, finding a balance meant deciding that what I was gonna do was gonna be something that kind of couldn't blow up or couldn't, I wasn't running the risk. For me, my hobby, now I've got too many things going on really right now to say this too truly, but my <laughs> hobby is engraving, the the kind of engraving where you're, you're pushing a chisel through metal. Yeah. It's like a real old school kind of engraving. Which is so cool, yeah. And I love it. I love it. But the fact is no matter how good I do, yeah. no matter how cool I make it, yeah. it's never going to blow up enough on like YouTube or or Etsy or whatever to be my full-time job.
0: So it's good. But just, do you think because it's so niche or, or just, I, I think that's an interesting strategy. Like you're putting some guardrails on the whole thing, right? So it's like, yeah. I'm forcing it to be something that I enjoy, but like because let's be honest, man, you could get it to blow up. I mean, there are people that are like at the top of their game on all these things, but I know what you're saying that the barriers to that, given how specialized it is, and maybe not as high demand would make that. Yeah. well, And and it's repetitive, right? So maybe I
1: could get a video to blow up or maybe two videos to blow up. But at a certain point, like how many times are you going to watch somebody carve a design in something? Mm, Um, And and so it's kind of a safeguard for me because then i can publish videos i can publish stuff and i don't really care how many views it gets because it's not like it's going to get a hundred thousand right right it'll go out it'll get if it really blew up it'll get 20. yeah yeah Mm -hmm. on average it'll get like 300 or something right yeah and so it keeps me from obsessing over it because my day job for 10 years has been traffic 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 you know, how many views sure. is this going to get? What are I going to do to get more views? And so it's mm-hmm. kind of nice to build in a safety net to stop me from even obsessing over it. Because, you know, I used to years ago, years and years and you know, 2012, 2013, Yeah, I would put yeah. out videos and obsess over how many videos they got, right? Yeah. I mean, or yeah. how many views they got. Yeah, yeah, and sure. I found it unhealthy. I was doing it for my day job. I was doing it at home and it, and it was sucking the the pleasure out of just doing something as a hobby.
0: Yeah. Right. Because then everything
1: starts to shift to how can I monetize this? How can I make it pay? Right. And you're just working working all the time.
0: Right. Yep. So you touched on so many things. I want to give Andrews a a chance to jump in here. We've talked about the concept of shiny object syndrome repetitive, repetitively. It's a massive problem for people that have that maker spirit a lot of the time Mm -hmm. where it's just like, Ooh, now I can do this. Ooh, now I can do that. And, and how that, uh, uh again it works against kind of um you know w- we think about when you're wanting to make money idea if you're investing all this time and energy and stuff like you're getting a flywheel turning and mm-hmm. to stop and then start another flywheel turning and another flywheel turning is completely counterproductive to that now there are job shops out there there are tons of businesses that do specialized you know R&D prototyping that is a business model mm-hmm. Um, but as makers, when we're talking more about specific, you know, whether it's crafting or something and, and, but, but there's always something in the back of our mind. Our tagline is turning your hobby into your jobby. It's not mm-hmm. always just because you can does not mean you should. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. Um, and, and we trip over that a lot of the time. Um, Andrew, when Caleb brought up the piece about You know, I can make this stuff. It's uh, the Mm -hmm. selling the stuff, the marketing the stuff Mm -hmm. that I hate. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with people that have said that exact thing, right? Like, what is it about the maker spirit? And I'm speaking in generality here. This is not everybody does. But but that it drives us away from salesmanship, which is so critical. And sales and marketing is is absolutely critical. I would say the Mm -hmm. product is so secondary to the audience and the people you're selling to in the business world. Oh,
3: yeah. What do you mm-hmm. think that is? Well, I mean, I think uh, and, you know personally I think it just comes down to, you know, who the maker is at at their heart. Um, you know, makers they they want to make, they want to they they find enjoyment in the process. Of making the process of learning, the process of accomplishing something that they haven't done before. Yeah, and you know, you keep feeding that and scratching that itch, and you know, by moving to the next project or moving to the next thing, it's like, oh well, hey, I I, I have this idea, and I've experienced this, and maybe I can connect the two. Mm-hmm. And we get excited and energized because of that. We go to these, you know, uh, whether they're you know rep rat festivals or you know uh, maker fairs, and we see what other people are making, and we get excited because it's like, Oh, Hey, I could probably do that too. And you you have these ideas from your, you know, your own experiences to intertwine. And when you, you you know, as a maker, we don't focus on anything. Like it's always about, (laughs) again, the make, it's always about, Oh, what could I do next? It's, we lack that focus. And when it comes to turning a hobby into a job, it takes incredible amounts of focus that, you know, and makers, they can do that. They can absolutely put their head down and finish something, whether it's, you know, their own 3D printer design, whether mm-hmm. it's, you know, incredible works of art. Mm-hmm. But when it comes down to repeating that process again and again and again, yeah, turning it into an actual job, that's where that's a grind. It's it's not the same thing as making. It's, it's nothing a- alike. Yeah. Um, we always say making you
0: know, one and thing think, and making a thousand of something is like yeah. a completely different, you know, venture a lot yeah. of the time. And, right? yeah. and
3: you're not you're, you're no longer you're no longer focused on the things that you like. And, you know, I, again, as a maker, like, I mean, I've been there before where it was like, oh, hey, I could sell this thing. Like, I, I'm the only one that can do it in this way. And then I can sell this thing. And I, I just you know, we we as makers, we gloss over a lot of critical details yeah. on all of the process that it goes into actually turning it into something that you can sell. And, you know, like Caleb was mentioning, you could very easily get wrapped up in all you're doing is work because if you're doing things to literally turn around and make a profit or turn around and how do you sell it? It's, it quickly becomes, (laughs) Oh, well, I have to do this and then this, and you're Mm -hmm. always working. You're Mm -hmm. either worried about views, you're worried about traffic, and you're, you're sucking all of the enjoyment away from the thing that you actually enjoy doing, which is making.
0: Yeah. No, that's, and, well, that's well said. Yeah. Uh, you know, C- Caleb, you, um, you've obviously transitioned from multiple ventures, you know, you know, I mentioned, you know, all this stuff, what, what were the indicators for you that it was time to move on from those things? But you, when you had the, you know, the business, the, uh, the businesses that you had, um, were there defining moments in your life that just made it feel like this is a drag now, or like you had to move, what what, hap- what happened?
1: Um, So some of it, a lot of it has been around just uh, things fit my personality and my interests better. Mm -hmm. And to be brutally honest, some of it was pay, you know, Mm -hmm. I could build my skill set up to move to a career that had a higher cap um, than what I was doing before. So you know, I was an IT administrator in A small manufacturing company in the ozarks and then i moved to being an editor online Mm -hmm. which paid a tiny bit more yeah an Mm -hmm. bit more but it had a little bit higher cap yeah and it was more interesting yeah and it just felt more active and the benefits were better i got to meet people sure and then you know moving to make had a little bit higher cap and a little bit more benefits and and so that that's part of it um but I can tell you, actually, what's probably more interesting to people, I can tell you what has pushed me away from selling side projects. Okay. Right. So if if this is mostly entrepreneurial-minded people thinking about making stuff, um, you know, you you look around, you see like arts festivals, and you see little makers uh, uh, swap meets, and and. Places like that that sell things, and you think, "Oh, I could build stuff and I could sell it there." Yeah. But what I've seen is, once you switch to that mindset that you're going to build a profitable business, yeah, around making something, yeah, not only do your duties shift mainly to marketing, you know, you're you're no longer making the thing; you're trying to get new eyes in front of it. That's I can't. I cannot state enough how huge and important that part is and it's often overlooked. Yes, You go from 99% of your mental process being, how do I make this thing to 99% of your mental process being, how do I get people to look at this thing? Mm -hmm. Because now you've already made it. You already know how to make it. You can make a hundred of them, right? Sure. And then on top of that, we are all critics. We we have people worst. we look up to. Yeah, we have products we see we like. We have processes that we like, kind of idolize as being good and cool processes we want to do.
0: Right, and sometimes
1: yeah. the the more involved processes, for some reason, in makers' minds, get rated as like a better process, like more has more clout. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. like your ego is better if you took a month to hand chisel something instead of instead of, you yeah. know, running it through your CNC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But those are antithetical to making a profit. Yeah. So you've made this mm-hmm. product that you think is amazing. And then you start thinking, well, if I'm gonna sell this, I'm gonna have to sell this at like $5,000. But yeah. but if I just ran it through the CNC machine, I could drop it down to 500. Yeah. And, and if I reduced this design down to a simpler design, I could drop it to 200. And if I bought cheaper wood, I could get it down to 150. And if I outsourced half of the part of making it to my neighbor, I could get it down to 120.
2: Yeah. And by the yeah. time
1: you get done with this, you've created a product that you think is inferior, that you don't even like anymore.
2: Yeah. And you're spending
1: yep. 99% of your time trying to get people to buy it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so that yep. that pushes that that pushes me away from making things often. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and I think it pushes a lot of people in this in this kind of group in this community away from it and a lot of people have experienced this exact train of events you know Mm -hmm. you might you might lay it on some other product and some other you know different manufacturing techniques yeah but i think a lot Mm -hmm. of us have felt this to a degree you know and and it's 100% it's demoralizing and it's like soul crushing
2: yeah. when you finally yep. <laughs> realize oh
1: crap I'm spending all my time trying to convince people to buy a product I don't even like
0: you're you're kind of mm-hmm. outlining you know the the multiple stages of grief that one yep. experiences as a as a maker entrepreneur um, and it resonates mm-hmm. very dearly with me. Although I will say this. You also got me a little bit excited when you were talking about it because I'm a process guy. Like I kind of mm-hmm. really like the idea of making things more efficient, making things uh, more affordable, like trying – because it's problem solving at its best to me. And I love mm-hmm. problem solving. But I know that this is not everybody's cup of tea, no, nor is sales and marketing, what? you know.
1: Uh-oh.
0: Uh-oh. Did we lose him? Oh no, we lost him temporarily. I think we lost him. We'll let him. We'll give him a chance to uh, reconnect. Um, but w- Andrew, what do you feel? You know about what, about what he was saying in terms of, um, y- y- you know that that you go through these things and then you realize, like, wait, mm-hmm. I'm spending time doing a thing that I never even really enjoyed doing, mm-hmm. which is well, yeah, which is exactly. I think a good exercise. And, and honestly, until you live it. A lot of the time, mm-hmm. he's back. I'm back. He's back. Yeah,
1: there we go. <laughs> I'm, okay. I'm on fine. Starlink satellite, satellite internet.
0: Uh, actually, it's, I you're know. doing it was doing quite well for doing uh, doing satellite. So that's that's good. Yeah.
1: Well, it's that Starlink stuff. It's yeah. pretty crazy. But yeah. um, you know what? I know you guys probably moved on, but I'm going to drag you back to no, where drag, we are. Us back no drag us do back it. in. No, drag us back in. There is also a huge categorical difference between what the two of you do, yeah. and what a mm-hmm. lot of people. Uh, get into wanting to do what you are doing is you're making tools that solve a problem.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Okay. So like the rep box and in the goop, right. Mm -hmm. You've identified a problem people have and you're making a tool to solve that problem. So a lot of these refinements don't detract from that tool. Some will, Mm -hmm. I I don't want to, I don't want to get you to admit it, but I'm sure there are things that you've done on your product that you're like, Oh man. Oh yeah. When I, when i first designed this i really wanted this like super magnetic latch but now it's not cost effective so i'm doing this other thing and i'm not gonna tell people that i don't like it but i don't like it right Right. compromise is all about yes but if you look at a lot of makers what they're making are effectively art projects or luxury product projects okay and that is where this hits extra hard yes because as you are refining your process to make a greater profit you're often mm-hmm. doing things that you, as a critic, think devalue the product.
3: Oh, that's an excellent point. Yeah. Such a good Absolutely. point. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Andrew, jump in there well, on that.
3: You know, I know, I know. Like, you know, Pooch and I, we've had several conversations about about the rep box specifically. I'm going to call you out here a little bit. Call me out, man. You know about I'm, this. I'm, you know, and you know, as you know, as, uh, you know it, while 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 the rep box is a tool, it's a utility there are so many moving pieces to it. And, you know, I, I can remember it's a box. countless conversations. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, that that we've had. And, you know, where, you know, it, it is, you're absolutely right, Caleb. Like, as you go through this process, as, as Alan has scaled up the production of the rep box, there had to be compromises that had to be made. And, you know, I, I've seen this, you know, happen where, you know, we've even had to do it where we had to start outsourcing some, you know, uh, some reagents that were already, you know, completely synthesized instead of actually doing them ourselves. And we felt that, you know, that was a loss to some of the quality, but you know, it's this process of trying to scale as a, you know, as a maker, um, it's, you know, trying to turn this into something that is a profitable business. Um, you know, so yeah, I, 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 think that's a, that's a very valid point that most makers in the, in the space where the luxury products come in, you know, it, it, you have to consider this and there's nothing wrong. I think, you know, I remember conversations with Alan, like having to say, well, Hey, you've got to make this change in order to make this efficient so that you can continue production. Yeah. Um, you know, we have to do this thing it, it, because there's no other way. It does not compute. Um, you know, and that doesn't mean that the product is, is now inferior. No, you know, but it just means that, you know,
0: <laughs> But my God, what what the feeling that you get when a customer actually calls you out on something like they're like, this latch is really not that. And I'm like, I knew somebody was going to say it. Right. It was like, I feel that way. And yeah. but they, mm-hmm. you know, customers rarely have the context of the you know so so a uh, great example of that uh, prusa just dropped a new version of their printer and of course you know everyone comes out of the woodwork saying like well why didn't you do this why didn't you do that you should have done this you should mm-hmm. more more like you should have done yep. da, 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 sure. with no context of the macro scale that they are operating at and how completely ineffective and inefficient for that like 0.1% gain like like yep. You as a maker looking at something, if you're making this in your garage, yeah, you have the luxury and the time and you can you can wait for that product because like, you only need to get one of them versus like, wait, I have to figure out how I'm going to get 10,000 of these and make sure that the quality of all of those are going to be reasonably the same you know and that's yeah. that's just something that most people don't even, it doesn't even occur to them as a, a challenge to the project right and so it but it just it's like digging the knife when you get that that comment and you're like yeah I know I wish it wasn't that way too mm-hmm. but I gotta I gotta grow I gotta pay my guys I gotta do all the things that you know I gotta do as a business mm-hmm. that the end customer could give a rip about You know, (laughs) that's the the Mm
1: -hmm. toughest criticism is whenever it has a little little bit of truth to it, it just cuts deep. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. But you know, pointing out all these difficulties, though, yeah, doesn't mean it's impossible. of course, right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And I tend to look at it like training for an ultra marathon or something like that. I've never done an ultra marathon. I don't run that far. Right. But I do run. Yeah. And the fact is, it sucks. Going out and running sucks. Even for people who love to run.
0: I I run and I hate it and I love it all at the same time.
1: Yeah. They're not mutually exclusive. But you'd think that. But you know, that first mile is painful. Yeah. The next day, my knees hurt. Yeah. You know, Um, but I do it anyway because in the end, I'm happy with the results and I know going in, it's going to hurt. Yeah, if it surprised me, if it was if it was a total surprise, then it would probably scare me away, right? But Mm -hmm. I know going in, it's gonna hurt. And so if you know, going into trying to build a product that you're going to have to go through this process, if you've got a realistic view of what happens after that fun initial like development, then you can theoretically power through now, of course, the bulk of people aren't going to go run an ultra marathon, maybe they'll run a marathon. Yeah, maybe you'll make a product that's a good side hustle. Yeah. Um, and a few people will break through and do the big one, yeah. you know, and, and make a full-time job out of it. And uh,
0: all are perfectly valid. You know, that's the other thing. We have yep. plenty of people uh, that, that listen to the podcast and watch that aren't necessarily like full-time with it. Like it, I, I think that it's, I think that knowing yourself and what your strengths mm-hmm. are and an understanding what your goals are is really critical to the the whole process. I think a lot of people go through the exact thing where, you know, Caleb, you were talking about where it's like they they ramp all the way up and they're like, wow, what am I even doing? Like, this isn't even bringing me joy. And then they're like, I I just want to go back to the garage and put my stuff up on Etsy Mm -hmm. and just do it when I feel. And that is totally fine. Right, like it, mm-hmm. just because you're not doing it full time doesn't mean that there's not value. Just you don't you can be giving your stuff away, and, and if it's bringing you joy and uh, it's checking boxes for you, another way, it's not always about money. Um, and mm-hmm. especially with makers, I think there's a lot of times like where you know we um, we gravitate toward open source projects a lot of times. Like we're not always looking for the most you know financially beneficial thing. Uh, Mm -hmm. that, uh, it's sometimes it's just about being part of a community and, um, that stuff. And, and we haven't even gotten into the event stuff, but like part of the reason, and I'm hoping you can speak to this, this might be a good transition when (laughs) you start to bring the people together and talk and go to these events and what like that does for your energy, uh is just super powerful right oh yeah um oh, yeah. and so mm-hmm. when you started uh cuz you've been involved with uh maker fairs and stuff obviously the planning oh, i mean yeah. there's a ton organizing that kind of stuff massive undertaking as well um what what did that feel like getting involved in that and then going to those things and seeing these people interact and and the value that that brings
1: yeah well uh i've said for a long time, at you know, internally at Make, that Maker Faire is like the heart of Make, and that's where the magic really, really happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people only know us from the magazine, mm-hmm. and that's fine, and that's neat. You know, it's 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 a neat thing to have a printed magazine, but personally, I feel those in-person events where the community meshes and like sometimes crashes together like waves of you know different <laughs> yeah. bodies of water. Yeah, um, I think it's beautiful and. Um, I walk away inspired and with a list of projects I want to do. Yeah, and I think mm-hmm. that's important, and it's re re like uh, uh, vitalize revitalizes my yes. interest in mm-hmm. things. But what I also see is that there are so many people who have this mindset, and and we have to remember the rest of the world doesn't like the bulk of the people out there don't. Think this way. They don't think about making stuff constantly. They don't think about the processes mm-hmm. behind the stuff around them.
2: Yeah. Like yeah. when
1: mm-hmm. you walk into a, a store or to like an arts festival or something, I'm willing to bet money that you look at what's on the table and in your brain, you're assembling it and you're thinking about yep. how to make it. Even if you have you're no interest in making that thing. Right. Yeah. Yep. Which is part of the thinking process. Yeah. Most of the world doesn't think that way, but all the people that come to Maker Fair do. And so they show up yeah. and they mesh with each other and they go, oh, oh, I, you identify with this. You think about this. What do you think about that? And it's like yeah. finding your tribe, you yeah. know, or, or your family or, or something. Even if you don't get along with them. Y- yes. You identify with <laughs> yep. these things. You see people at RepRap Fest arguing, standing mm-hmm. there arguing, just, just livid about like, well, yeah. I think this, yeah. this hot end or this material is oh, perfect man. for this. And I think that this is better and they are just livid, but that is the happiest they will be all year because they have mm-hmm. this like ability to connect on a, a visceral, like yeah. instinctual level to somebody that's on the yeah. same wavelength.
2: Yeah. Yep. And you don't get it anywhere else. You get it at
1: maker fairs, you get it at rep rap fests, you get it at, you know, science fairs mm-hmm. a little bit, but yeah. It, You know, you don't just get it walking down the street generally.
0: That's such a funny notion because I I feel I feel so seen with that where it's like there's definitely people (laughs) in any community where you're like, that guy's a clown but I will defend to the ends of the earth. Like he's my clown and I enjoy being part of this <laughs> insane circus. Right. Like, yeah. so it's, it's not exactly logical, but it's the same thing with like, it's, it's like family to some extent. Right. It's like, yeah, you know, uh, y- y- they, these people drive me crazy, but I love them anyway. Um, exactly. and I think that's such a great distillation, uh, of, of the whole thing. Um, I know that I look forward to these rep rap festivals, maker events. I've been getting more into cons, like just getting out and interacting with creative people, like minded people. I said it in a tweet. Um, We got in two weeks, the Rocky Mountain Rep Rap Festival is coming up. Shout out. It's the first time uh, in Denver. Uh, Shout out to Rocky Mountain Rep Rap Festival. And I said, like, I am so excited. I'm not doing a booth this year, but I am excited to be there with my people. Um and SQL cool stuff and a lot of times just being free range and not being tethered to a booth. I, honestly, Andrew will tell you this. Like, I, yep. I, I don't like running a booth. Like, I want to be out interacting, talking <laughs> to people. Like, that's more my jam. But I understand that mm-hmm. I, I still have a business to run and we still have products to show and all that stuff as well. <laughs> um.
1: So speaking of RepRap Fest, yeah. Um. Something that really annoyed me was that I couldn't find information on them. Mm. Uh, you know, like Ollie. In Midwest. Midwest, he doesn't yeah. have a website. He just yeah, has uh, like the Facebook page, yeah. and, and then there's more of them popping up. So I actually made a website, Reprapfest.com. You did the whole, yeah. The whole purpose of this website is just to have a map <laughs> with the fests and links to where and when they are, and then a Discord channel where people could could collaborate to go to or talk or whatever. I I threw it up online. It has no ads. It's not affiliated. That's it's awesome. Needed. I didn't even know that. It's,
3: I didn't know that either. <laughs> it's reprapfest.com?
1: Wow. Okay. And it's got, what is reprap? What it, find a fest near you and join the Discord. And Look at honestly, I don't even care if the Discord gets people. I think there's like two people on there right now. Yeah. But I don't care <laughs> and if it's traffic or not. <laughs> I was just frustrated that I couldn't yep. find the information. There was nowhere to find RepRap festivals or where they were or what they were, right?
0: Uh-huh. uh-huh. So mm-hmm. I just slapped
1: this together so that people could find them easier.
0: So uh there... I didn't even know. So I'm looking at your site now. This is fantastic. First of all, I'm glad you did this because part of the reason I think you identified this problem is I I think about, you know, and I'm not trying to throw shade Mm -hmm. at Midwest, but it's like that also encapsulates the maker spirit, right? Where it's just like, they're low friction. It's just (laughs) like, man, I don't, I'm not into planning. Like, let's just get together and do like show off cool stuff. Let's just hang out. Which, Mm -hmm. which is a lot of the charm and, and you know, uh, stuff, um, uh draw to it for a lot of makers right like let's just get together and hang out and it's and it's cool and it's casual and it's not corporate or anything like that but then uh obviously it's running an event is there's money associated with it it's a business uh you know to some extent mm-hmm. and so you have to have some degree of organization as well and it's interesting to see the different festivals whether it's maker or rep rap or whatever like the the variability that you get with the, the organization, the venues, the, you know, I know the East coast rep Rap festival, incredibly well organized, uh, but almost swings the other way where it's like, they're just throwing all this information at you, uh, which is great. Sponsors mm-hmm. will love that stuff. Cause it's like, we need to plan. I need to know the logistics. Um, yep. but, uh, I know that that's not necessarily, you know, the same casual thing. And I, you know, it's, it's good that I think everybody can kind of get what they, hopefully what they desire out of it. Um, and I hope yeah. more of these things come together. This is a cool little site. I didn't even know there was a Ukraine RepRap Festival.
1: Yeah, I just saw it pop up on Facebook. We were talking wow. to uh, our contacts for Maker Fair in Ukraine, and they were like, hey, we're doing this RepRap Festival you know, next weekend and whatever. And wow. so I was like, oh, throw it on the map. That's yeah. awesome.
0: No, this is good. I hope this can be <laughs> a, a resource f- uh, for people. I think it's really good that you've like, let's just say what this is so people know. That's cool. Very nice. Yeah, yeah, good way to way to you know take that ball and run with it. Um, <laughs> can you can you talk a little bit more about so make mag? Obviously, the magazine came first, and then the events, uh, the maker sure. fairs, uh, you know, happened. Mm-hmm. And then I think I've been to quite a few of them at this point. But the flagship ones, as I recall, well, what was the what was the first? Give us a little bit of origin story around the yeah. events for make for how about that? Two
1: thousand five ish make was a division of o'reilly okay uh so you know those publications like programming books sure um Mm -hmm. so it was a division of that uh dale doherty the founder you know kind of came up with the idea of make magazine and this i didn't know this i learned this uh, a couple years ago talking to dale make on the cover of make magazine isn't just the general term for making stuff it's the command in linux for whenever you're actually compiling code yeah yeah And, and so i used to kind of you know, jive my, my coworkers and be like, we need more general making. This is make magazine. We need less like tech. We need to get more into just everything, you know, sewing and whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, just look at the title. Come on. And yeah. then ultimately they always was like, well, you know, the title is like make and then like how you compile. Like compile mm-hmm. it. And I was make. like, Oh, yep.
0: I didn't, <laughs> I never knew that. That's that. That is so interesting. Um, yeah. But I'm yeah. glad they had the presence of mind. It was like, okay, let's go wider because we can bring in more audiences, mm-hmm. uh, obviously, if you're not just focused on programming. Yeah. Um, so,
1: anyway, just that 2005 that was just a random fact. So, Make Magazine comes out. Uh, Dale breaks out of O'Reilly and goes independent because it was growing a little bit bigger. Um, so mm-hmm. then he's publishing that. And then Dale and Sherry Huss um came up with the idea for maker fair which was the event i think the first one was in might have been in 2005 or 2006 okay. I, i'm not sure when the first maker fair was but it was in the bay area yep
2: and it was mm-hmm.
1: kind of the cutting edge of technology and making and yeah. stuff i think steve wozniak was there yeah, playing the was That's uh awesome. Segway mm-hmm. polo like writing a uh, uh not uh, a Segway <laughs> and, and we gotta bring that back i love that
0: idea yeah yeah
1: um and so that first one was in san francisco and then they ultimately ended up going with a model that's kind of like a kind of like a franchise or a licensing thing yeah where Mm -hmm. you can throw a maker fair in your local area you pay a licensing fee that's some sort of sliding scale that i'm not involved with that you can choose between it being like a free event and you pay just this low base rate for like the marketing materials and promotion or we'll take like a percentage of the ticket sale i don't know you know there's different ways to do it to Uh make it affordable Uh so that people can do it okay and at our peak we had over 200 fairs around the world in one year amazing Uh, wow uh right now um well we'll get into right now in a little bit um then we had these big ones that we organized Okay. They were massive yeah. in San Francisco area, the Bay Area. It was actually in San Jose, but that area mm-hmm. yeah. and in New York.
0: The greater SF mm-hmm. Metro, yes.
1: Yeah, and those, those were huge, and those were the ones we called flagships. There's flagships, yeah. flagships around the world as well, but yep. they're run by groups in those other places. Um, And they were massive. I mean, I, the biggest, the biggest uh, weekend I was there in San Francisco, I think we had – don't quote me on the number, but I think it was like 190,000 people come through. the Wow, that weekend. that's it wild. Was, that's it was massive huge. attendance, yeah. And I've yeah. been to Bay
0: Area and I've been to New York and I've been to a bunch of the minis as well. The other, yeah. what is Chicago? Uh, I know Orlando is a big one. Yeah, Andrew. Orlando's a,
1: a moderate-sized one. Moderate. Uh, Chicago's okay. weird; like it kind of tries to start and then it, it drops just never, back and then it never again. Mm. And mm. we were gonna do one there, and then we ended up not being able to make it happen. And it, it, it's just been a rough one in Chicago because mm. the way. So running these events, you're dealing with uh, event venues and local laws around events mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. rules yep. and stuff, which mm-hmm. can be very difficult. Sure. So if you're not familiar with running an event, like in New York. Um, if you rent out the building, there's a huge fee to, for that. And then you have to use their union workers to do everything. And their yep, union right. workers are, I'm pro-union generally, but, but they can be extremely expensive and extremely um, mm-hmm. inefficient. Yes. So just anecdotally, let me let me explain, not working at MAKE, long before I worked at MAKE, I was at a conference in New York and I was putting up a big demo, which was a TV on a mount with a computer, and you'd wave your hand in front of it, and three D animation would move around. Yeah, and we were not allowed to pick up the TV to put it on the mount.
2: Yep,
0: we're, you're not
1: allowed to. You will be expelled from yep. the event if you pick it up. Yeah, we had to have the union guy do it. So he comes over with a forklift. Yeah, <laughs> gets off the forklift, picks up the TV, puts it on the mount, and then sits down and eats a sandwich. Yep because the minimum by union laws, you can hire them is for an hour. So you have to pay for an hour of their time and they're not gonna go do more work until they've had their hour used. So to put a TV on a stand, we had to pay, I think it was a $75 yeah. an hour yeah. union worker yeah. to lift it up, put it on there and then sit there and eat a sandwich. And I, then he goes to the next mm. booth over from us and does the same thing. You know, And then the next booth over and the same thing.
0: I, uh, -hmm. Um, I I had a very similar experience. I used to run a booth for Cassie or I helped organize a lot of the, um, uh, the, the college students that would basically staff the booth, um, and in Vegas. And it was the exact same thing where I got yelled at the first year I got, Oh, cool. I can help. I'll just put this together. And then, you know, union dude comes over starts saying, you can't do that. You can't do that. We have to do that. And I, I'm I'm with you. It's like I'm generally like pro collective bargaining, mm-hmm. union, and all that stuff. But it's like I, when you see those things, I can understand why there's resistance to the yeah. inefficiencies of that. But there's obviously reasons like that. That is how we protect labor and stuff. So it's I know I know that it sounds strange to hear, guys, um, but mm-hmm. it, it is a real thing. Um, and you know, the, there's no perfect solution to a lot of these things, but we don't, we don't need to go into, did you, yeah, yeah, yeah. So
1: ultimately though, the point is that it's very expensive. Yes. Uh, Mm -hmm. even if you're not using union people, these event spaces will charge you for like every power cable, every table, every chair. And sometimes like in Chicago, I believe the numbers for comic-con there, I think they charge something like $150 for a folding table. And yeah. then 150 dollars for a backdrop behind it. Yeah. I mean, so then you add that, you multiply that out by the, you know, 300 booths you're going to have there, and it adds up real quick. Sure. The venue itself is real expensive. Then you're not allowed to bring in food. You actually have to pay their vendors for right. food. Right. So then you're locked yep. into the rates. And again, I'm not complaining about the the laws and stuff that build this up. What I'm just doing is explaining that it can be insanely expensive to run an event. Yes. More expensive than you might estimate. Yes. Uh, So our big events were millions of dollars to run. Yes. And ultimately, in 2019, Mm -hmm. uh, we had a board of directors that was running our how we operated things. Um, And we had had a series of the board of directors would put a person in charge of make that was like a Silicon Valley startup guru, of various Uh, types. They they did this three times. And we worked code. through a lot of money yeah. and okay. did a lot of very inefficient things and yeah. ultimately Make went bankrupt okay. uh, in 2009. Teen and Dale Doherty, the yeah. founder, yeah, went to them and said, okay, you pushed me out. He was still employed. He was still worked there, but he wasn't running the show. Yeah. He said, okay, you pushed me out. You failed. Yeah. It closed. Yeah. Let me buy the name yeah. back from you and the publishing rights so I can continue this little dream of mine. Yeah. And they said, okay. So he bought the name and the publishing rights. So then he relaunched it. He had to do a new LLC. So it it wasn't make, uh, I don't even remember what it was before. Maker Media is what it was. Okay. So now it's Make Community. Okay. Um, So now Make Community is technically a new company, but he rehired me and seven or eight other people. Okay. And we put together the magazine and started putting the fairs back together and we're regrowing. That's awesome. Okay. Awesome. Since, you know, for the past two years while they COVID hit, yeah. but so for (laughs) the past two years, we've been regrowing it and the num you know, the magazine is is in full swing again. We have maker fairs popping up. The numbers are going back up again. I think we're close to a hundred maker fairs again. Um, And I can't make any promises. I can't, tell you that it's definitely happening but we're trying really hard and i know dale is talking to people to try to make something happen again in the bay area and that would be be i don't know what yeah and and we're saying it'll have to be different we can't sure out of the gate try to go do the big bang that we did right but i'm really hoping that he pulls something off uh because i would love to see us back there again people miss that'd be amazing oh my
0: god you and me both i mean it left a real I mean, I grew up in the Bay Area, so like re- very close mm-hmm. to San Jose, Cupertino, Apple Central, right? So, um, you know, that that I th- want to say was one of the first ones I went to as well. And so it's like near to, so I, I, I hope, I hope that we see yeah. a, a comeback. I, I remember, uh, and, and i appreciate you sharing that uh because i know that it's been a question mm-hmm. on a lot of people's mind. what was the thing i was watching the uh, william osmond was talking about it's like does anybody even know what yeah. happened to make so now we know uh yeah fantastic. yeah that's the story yeah
1: William should know actually i'm helping him organize open sauce it oh, looks that's, like it's gonna oh, be that's, a, awesome. that's
0: fantastic yeah. yeah that's coming up in what uh Ju- Ju- july 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 so that'll yeah, be and that'll yeah. be in the bay area as well and that's that's a big creator show guys so if you're uh, a lot of youtube you know obviously a lot of YouTubers out there um, and people in not just the make world, but just doing all kinds of awesome stuff. You know, that brings up an interesting question. Maybe it's a bit of a digression, but <clears throat> I feel like there's a lot of interesting crossover in the creator world with the maker world. Yes. Does that does that sound like a fair characterization? Like, what do you suppose it is uh, about those two communities that seem to like mesh so well? I mean, obviously creator is just looking for cool content and a lot of times they start because they're highlighting something they are doing or making.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's, there's a huge overlap, huge, yeah. huge, huge. Like when I started, YouTube was barely a thing. That's just kind of where you stored some files. <laughs> yeah, Um <laughs> where you kept your video. And, you know, contrast that to now, there are people whose full-time jobs are making things on YouTube. Yeah, isn't that wild? And so it's yeah. amazing, this entire industry has just appeared out of nowhere and that's just how it relates to me in the maker community. There's people whose jobs are putting on makeup on YouTube or talking finances on YouTube, right? So that's a whole whole other industry as well, right? Yeah. yeah. But it, as far as makers go, this is this whole industry that didn't exist. And so it has grown and evolved alongside of this whole maker, you know, movement, maker community. And so I think there's a massive overlap, you know, because it's this it's this mindset of like I can do that. Right, right. So yeah. people looked around and they were like, oh, I can do that, I can make that. And that applied to, you know, doing sculptures out of steel, but it also applied to turning on a camera and editing it together, right? Yeah. So there are some people who came in as makers who were like, oh, I could film it. Like, um, you know, Jimmy Duresta, right? He was a maker and <laughs> mm-hmm. it was just like, oh, I can film this and throw it on on there. And there are people who come in from the other side who are like, I can make an interesting video about making something. Let me Mm -hmm. learn how to make this. Let me learn how to do that or learn how this works. But they're all kind of like in this muddy area of just like overlap between the maker community and YouTube because it all comes down to creating the thing you want to see. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Everybody who makes videos on YouTube is doing it because they said, I want this to exist and I can do it. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. I'll go and I'll find, try to find it on TV.
0: Yeah. Right. Well, I, th- I think a lot of the mm-hmm. endearing part of it is a lot of time just being along for the journey, whether the make is successful or not. And so yeah. the, the storytelling and what's, <clears throat> what's interesting and knowing a, a good amount of makers that are also content creators out there is you brought this up at the top of the show that, that uh, having that audience and doing that sales and marketing is, is like the critical component to entrepreneurial Mm -hmm. success. Mm -hmm. So what's, what's funny to me is the collision of the creator and the, and the, and the entrepreneur coming and the maker entrepreneur specifically, like coming at it from different directions where, a lot of these creators have an audience, but they don't necessarily like have anything they're selling beyond the, the content and then they're dependent on a platform and they're mm-hmm. only as good as their last video. And so it's like, yeah, they're, yeah, they're making stuff, but they're making like entertaining or educating uh, uh, content. Mm-hmm right? And you can speak to this in the written form as well. Like there are many ways to make money as a maker that, that go beyond product that I think a lot of people think about. Yeah. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. it's really interesting. And I think a lot, and we're starting to see a lot of these YouTubers, uh, back into product and, and offering stuff. I mean, there's always been kind of swag and brand related stuff, but now, you know, we see like LTT, uh, has a huge wing that is doing, not just their own uh product but like branding it for other so they're becoming companies starting as a media source and moving back into the physical product world which is really fascinating to me
1: yeah that is fascinating and it's been interesting to watch because there are a lot of people who kind of started out and didn't they weren't framed as like i'm gonna make products or make a business out of this and then eventually you know they have to just look around and go wait a minute you know i'm I'm leaving a, a whole career, yeah. on the table here if I don't just start, se- you know, building this and selling it. Like, like of course Linus would sell a screwdriver. Yeah. It, why did it take him so many years to think of doing it? Right. Yeah. Like, what's what's the the one and only tool you need to put together a computer? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it, it's been fascinating. It's yeah. Been fascinating.
0: Well, and and it's it's also um, just such an interesting component. Uh, there, there's a lot of. Um, I think there's a lot of. Uh, camaraderie that we have both either as a creator, or as a maker, like a lot of us like feel like we kind of fell into this. Like there are mm-hmm. certainly businesses where it's like you, pu- you put together a business plan, you start a business, but a lot of the YouTubers you talk to, in fact, most of them, and, and it could just be a generational thing because like you said, YouTube is like relatively new in the scope of like careers and all that stuff. <clears throat> but a lot of people that got started and are at the pinnacle of their game right now have been doing it. Like we had James Hacksmith on and he was like half of his life. He has been making videos mm-hmm. and posting to YouTube. Like he started when he was 16 and he just turned 30 or, or 32 or something like, what was it? 15 yeah. and 30 anyway. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. Mm-hmm. And, and so you know, when you get your start, you don't realize, well, uh, most of them are like, I'll be lucky if I'm still here next year. Right. Like they're, I'm going to have to get a job at some point. Like how many of, how many of these content creators like have that same story and I, I think the same thing. It's like, I started this thing as a side hustle. A lot of businesses, a lot of maker businesses, especially start as a side hustle. And so you're never really thinking of it as like a legitimate thing, even to, uh, yeah. from the jump, which is kind of a weird way like to say, like, we're just all kind of f- f- stumbling into our path. Mm-hmm. Sure, uh, sure. I, I don't know. Sure. Yeah. You've pivoted a number of times. So I think you oh, can say. many times. Yeah.
1: Many times. <laughs> And and I'm I'm hugely risk averse. Otherwise, I'd probably be launching products all the time. Yeah. Uh, I I went bankrupt years ago. I owned a, a a cyber cafe or a land center. Yeah. Twenty networked computers doing competitive gaming back in two thousand three. Yeah. Two thousand four, um, and a web development studio. Yeah. I had little, six little cool. employees. And after four years, I had paid my salary, six or eight employees salaries, day to day operations, but my loan had not come down more than like $1,000. So I said, screw it. And I closed it all. I filed bankruptcy. But that was traumatic to me. I worry about money. I'm a I'm a Mm -hmm. money worrier. I hate it. It stresses (laughs) me out and bankruptcy was the worst. And if I hadn't had that I'd probably be launching product ideas all the time worse than anybody, you know, but I, I have a tendency to look at it and go, okay, a year from now, am I gonna, am I gonna hate this? And I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna launch that. I'll put it to the side and, and whatever, you know. But yeah, it's a real, it's a sickness. It is. A you sick. know? Well, sure. first,
0: let me, let me thank you for sharing that first of all, because I don't think mm-hmm. we hear about the struggles that people have nearly as much as, you know, social media is just chock full of like, look at this. This is awesome. Everybody just feels like, Oh, he's doing great. Right. Like, yes. like the outward oh, sure. appearance yeah. is so positive, but like, we need to hear the, you know, this is where the learning lies a lot of the time and mm-hmm. and it is, pretty rare for, to get people to come on and say like, Hey man, I had to, I went through this really low point. I'm, I'm like, I'm with you, Caleb. I'm a money warrior as well. I'm probably too conservative. Um, and I'm inhibiting mm-hmm. my own growth maybe to some extent, but I also just can't handle the stress of feeling like I've, I've still got a family mm-hmm. to raise. I've still got, you know, it's, yeah. it's, there's so many factors that go into that. Um, I want We're closing in on our, our hour here and I want to be respectful of your time because I know you are a very busy man. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I appreciate you sharing all of these things. If we're going to come full circle here, uh, I've got one last question for you. Given all the different things that you've made and all the, all the things, how would you, where do you feel like you are on your journey? This is a multi-part question, so get ready for it. Where do you feel like you are in your journey? Are you more uh, uh, accepting of the pivot Now, than you ever have been in the past, like when you are you just like if if all of a sudden tomorrow you wake up and you decide, I don't want to be an editor anymore, I don't want to do event planning anymore, you seem like you're a little more zen about like, you know what, close that chapter, let's move on. How are you feeling in terms of like where you are in your journey and that that moving between things as a maker, as an entrepreneur? Oh,
1: absolutely. I, I can pivot in a heartbeat. Um, now that being said, I'm risk averse. Right. So I could pivot Mm -hmm. my hobbies on a dime, my income, my day job. I couldn't pivot unless something really, really sweet and solid came along. Because I have, you know, job, a a decent paycheck and it's work that Mm -hmm. I like and I can do with my ADHD riddled brain. You know, (laughs) I I can bounce from task to task, writing and making and videoing. So it Mm -hmm. suits me. So a really special thing would have to come along, but emotionally to give up the tasks I'm doing now and take on a new set of tasks mm-hmm. would not be a problem. That would not be a problem. Mm-hmm. At all. It's, it's the risk averseness, mm. you know? Sure. And, and then of course the fear of being bored and trapped in, you know, like an office job. If somebody came along and said, well, we'll give you an extra 50,000 a year, but you got to sit in this office and do paperwork. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't think I can do that for more than you know a few months. <laughs> I'm right there with I started you. <laughs> like panicking and mm-hmm. and sneaking in little like side hustles, you know, gigs it or feels, something. Right? I mm-hmm. feel it
0: feels claustrophobic just hearing you say it to me. I don't yeah, know. Why I yeah, like that's so. what yeah. that's what a lot of people do. You know, they sit at a right desk
1: there. all day and do paperwork, and yeah. and, yeah. and it, it's scary. Yeah, uh, but to your to your question, yes. After years and years and years, I've mastered the art of the pivot. I think emotionally, mentally, yeah, so that I don't have to like recover or mourn a loss of something. Okay, um, but being risk averse, there are some things that that are not going to be easy to shove me. You know, it, it's sure. going to take a lot to pull me away from make from make magazine, but like, if you look at the controller project, for example, which we didn't get um, into nearly enough. That's all right. Yeah. That's all right. Yeah. So I, I spent a very long time doing it a certain way. Yeah. uh, Which was very time intensive and very labor intensive Mm -hmm. and only allowed me to help a certain amount of people. Uh Right. Uh And then once I realized that I could increase that amount of people tenfold by just changing the paradigm, changing what I did and narrowing the focus, yeah, nope, mm-hmm. no problem, I did it. Like in an instant, as soon as I came up with the idea, I was like, oh, done. And I went and I changed the verbiage on the website and I started taking action to make a pivot because emotionally I wasn't tied to, I don't, you know, I'd already done the other thing. Do you, it's time to do something mm-hmm. new. Do
0: you have a few more minutes just to elaborate a little bit more on Controller Project yeah. or do you have to turn about, Okay, I just want to uh, no, no, talk Okay, good, because I think people time. need to hear about this and this is such a cool project, guys. So for those who are not familiar with the Controller Project, give us... Uh, an outline of what that is.
2: Yeah,
1: I mean, on the subject of time, as long as I say subscribe to Make Magazine <laughs> and go to a Maker Fair, I'm uh, working. That's All right.
2: right. <laughs> so,
1: so back to the controller project. So uh, a couple years ago, I pivoted instead of doing everything manually, cracking open a controller and adding buttons for people, soldering in wires, cutting them apart. You know, um, what I did was I pivoted and I said, what if we used the distributed manufacturing of 3d printers to print parts that just snap on controllers that do the job of stuff that costs thousands of dollars. Yes. That these people don't get insurance to pay for. Yes. Right. So we're talking people with physical disabilities, limb difference like missing fingers or paralyzation or non-functioning limbs, um, full quadriplegics. You know, if, if these people want to play video games, which is very important psychologically because you know, you go sure. into a video game, you're seen as an equal with the other people you're 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 yeah, working they with. They have no idea. They have no idea you're yeah. you're in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um so very important psychologically. Um to be able to play these video games, you know, we just 3D print these parts and snap them on. I give them to them for free, completely for free. And I'm supported completely. I was supported out of pocket for many years. I just paid for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm supported. I have a Patreon that people can sign up for. Okay. Uh, I've, I've got people already there supporting me. Okay. Uh, that pays for some of it. Okay. I've got, I got a donation from Able Gamers and from Prusa. Awesome. Prusa supplies me my printers. And uh, he gave me a little bit of money, and then Able Gamers gave me a little bit of money, and that's enough money that should should really keep me going at the rate I'm going for the rest of this year. Um, but the uh, Patreon supporters really helped me do it as well. If you think about the costs, yeah. Um, so my most common design is a really cool single hand kit. So if you have one hand, you can play PlayStation, Xbox, or PlayStation, PlayStation Four or Five or Xbox. Wow. Okay. It was designed by a guy named Akaki Kumari. Okay. Good luck spelling that. But if you if you just go on <laughs> YouTube and search 3D printed one hand Xbox, okay. you'll find him. Okay. He designed it. He sells, he sells them, but he also gave the files away for free on printables. And that is my most requested uh, file. I send them to people for free. So you look at that the file you print it out it's maybe what a 50 cents a dollar worth of plastic yeah sure Mm -hmm. you got your machine time yeah then you also got to put it in a box and put a label on it right and then ship it so you're talking maybe 10 15 dollars per controller right right now i'm doing 10 to 15 a month so it's 150 dollars a month we'll say
2: okay Mm
0: -hmm. right
1: sure um that adds up real quick if it's out of pocket but i have just now gotten to enough patreon supporters that were floating that line right That's now fantastic. then i have to go awesome. buy. you know sometimes i have to buy extra material i got a 3d printer that breaks right and i'm dipping into the money that prusa gave me or that that they gave sure uh, able gamers gave me um but you know as this grows i'll be able to help more people i utilize more volunteers and And while that's a whole different subject, I don't know if you've ever managed volunteers, especially with 3D printing, but.
0: (laughs) I have and both. So uh, just really quick, when we were doing the face shield production, like I I had a tiger by the tail, didn't know it. And I can relate very closely to this because the the make was the easy part. It's the logistics. I I always said Mm -hmm. like, when when we were doing a lot of the tv interviews for that it was it was never a making problem it was a logistical issue like all the packing the fulfillment the cleaning the organizing of the volunteers so we had Not just one location. We had three locations. So that was bouncing between with multiple volunteers. And so it's like there had to be a management structure because I couldn't be in all three places at one time and all that stuff. But you tell me what Mm -hmm. it's been for you organizing these. It's great that there are people out there that want to help. And 3D printing is such a great tool for this distributed Mm -hmm. manufacturing. Exactly. Because now you can make it all over the world, you know, as close as possible, ideally, to where the end user is going to be right? Yeah, exactly.
1: So I've got volunteers, I've got over 100 volunteers, mostly in the States, but I do have volunteers in about 20 countries. Mm -hmm. So if I get somebody in Belgium, for example, that wants something, it doesn't make any sense for me to ship it to them. No. So I Mm -hmm. got a volunteer in Belgium too, right? Mm -hmm. Because then it's so much cheaper. Yeah. Now, unlike yours, the logistics of mine are easy. I say, just throw it in a box and and mail it to them. I Mm -hmm. don't care what the box looks like, as long as the part works. Mm -hmm. For me, the problem is, if you google this single hand controller kit from akaki kumari i want to express he's a great designer yes he did an amazing job you should check him out if you're into 3d printing and and will. design work akaki kumari i'll send you the spelling afterwards okay. or you can just look at look it up on youtube mm-hmm. but um it's his design but it's really actually tough on the printer um because it has a lot of parts that snap together uh-huh. and rotate mm. after they snap together a wild and dream. what I've found is people's egos get in the way, or I end up being tech support for their printer. So you've got all these parts; they'll print it, they'll snap together, and the parts won't rotate freely because it's got a little uh, bit of elephant foot. Yeah. Or their printers out of out of uh, it'll be ovaled or something. And the
0: extruder hasn't been calibrated oh. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah.
1: and they're like, "This file is not good," and I'm like, "Well, except <sighs> that the last 250 people printed it." Yes. You know, um, yeah. and it worked. But so I've been printing your...
0: for 10 years and I know what yeah. I'm t- Yeah, no, I know what you're talking and about. I, yeah. And I get that.
1: And I even had somebody, I'm not going to call any names, but somebody got really offended because I was like, hey, sorry, you know, uh, you're, it's not the file. Your printer needs adjusted. I'm just going to have another volunteer do it. No big deal. Like seriously, no stress. But they got really mm-hmm. offended. And he said, I run a 3D printing company. I know what I'm talking about. This file is no good. <laughs> And I said, Well, I'm sorry, but the volunteer who I said yeah. was going to do it aside from you just shipped it today and it went and it worked, you know. And then he came back a week later and said, Well, I adjusted my machine and now it works. Okay. And, you know,
3: but your um, ego can get in the way,
1: especially because, mm-hmm. you know, you can get parts that look beautiful. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. But they aren't
1: functional. Yeah. <laughs> functional. Yeah. yeah. But they look mm-hmm. beautiful. And so it's been really frustrating because what I'm dealing with are not groups of volunteers. I'm dealing with individuals and it's a new individual each time. So I kind of go mm-hmm. through this process of print this and see if it works, assemble it and see if the parts move. They, they don't move quite right. Can you shave a little bit off and make them move right? No. Do, okay. Well, let me just go to a different volunteer or, mm-hmm. you know, do you want to try again? Do you want to adjust your machine? Uh, and I'm doing that with like, it's very inefficient. I'm doing this oh, over God. and over and over.
3: I, feel, uh, I, feel... I wish the parts were easier because then I
1: wouldn't have to do all that.
0: I feel your pain because when you're running volunteers, you're you're running up against one of the biggest challenges of any business, which is turnover. You are constantly dealing yes. with turnover. You have to re-educate new people. And so the the strategy that you have to employ and the amount of work that you have to put into documentation and training and all of yes. that stuff is much greater than it might otherwise be if you have full-time employees doing something. So, yeah, yeah. so I can fully relate. Um, I got a question. It, I got a really quick oh, sorry, question for you in the chat from Mitch3D wants to know, you, you talked about uh, um, Akaki Kumari. Did I say that right? Uh, yeah, his, yeah. his design? Uh, have you seen Ben Hex accessibility controllers? Uh, wh- how, you know, yes. What do you think of those designs? What, sure, what led sure. you one so way I've, or another?
1: I've seen Ben's for years. Yep. Uh, I think Ben was even doing custom controllers before I was mm-hmm. a long time ago. Um, but um, what Ben does is closer to what I was initially doing, where you're, you're ripping it apart, you're soldering in stuff, you're making custom electronics, Okay. and they're neat. But Ben had to sell them at you know, high, high costs to compensate for the amount of time it took him to do it. Sure. And that? I think that has pushed him even at this point. I don't think he sells them anymore because the return on investment, back to our earlier stuff, was so poor that he wasn't able to make it make a whole lot of sense. And that was part of my impetus for the the pivot to to 3D printing, because uh, you can do so much. Some of these, Mm -hmm. some of these designs, I have a whole collection on printables of designs. Some of them are so inventive and are doing things that you never would have thought you could do without having to physically modify the controller itself. Yeah. Akaki's stuff, especially, and, and unfortunately, his stuff is complicated which yeah. again, pushes away mm-hmm. volunteers. Cause like, you know, if you said, yeah, I'll print for you, I'm happy to print for you. And then you go to print it and six hours later it fails yeah, because it's got like delicate parts yeah, and then you get it to work and then it doesn't fit together. Right. There's a good chance. You're just mm-hmm. going to stop responding to my email. Right,
0: right. 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 Which yeah. happens yeah. All,
1: all the time. time. Yeah. And it's not their fault. You know, they no, know it well, but this turns is much out to be like 20 endeavor. hours of work, you know, like yeah. forget it. Yeah. Um, uh, 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 so I don't remember what my point was. Well, but... design, we were
0: talking about Ben Hex designed this. So, but you're, you're trying to pick designs that work well for what you're trying to create here yeah, and, and make it as yeah. accessible to people that have accessibility yeah. issues. Yeah. Well,
1: that, and we have this distributed manufacturing community. Yes. Right. So we're, so yeah. I, I pivoted the design instead of just being me and my hands. We have this massive community of people who want to make stuff and want to be part of something, you know, and and that just opens the, opens the doors to being able to help so many more people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we could go on for quite some time about managing volunteer because you you have, you know, as, as the word gets out about this, like you'll, you'll start to realize the size, like we made Thirty-five thousand face shields in like three months' time by leveraging people all over the world, and they were they were printing stuff and sending them to us. And these were relatively straightforward. It was just the frame, and we we would yeah. laser cut and mesh it with the visor and stuff. Here, um, I can't imagine the challenge it would be if it was a multi-part, very complicated, tight tolerance fitment issues, all that stuff um the amount of work that that would have had to go into that and the amount of turnover you would even have in your volunteers because they wait, whoa, well, well, this is a lot bigger than what i'd signed on for so i feel for you there but it is yeah, a noble yeah, cause so I, I i hope that you know as you go forward and it's wild thinking like gone are the days that we grew up on the single you know pad mm-hmm. and two button nintendo controller you look at these controllers now and it's like I, I can't imagine trying to operate uh, the yeah. current iteration of the PS5 mm-hmm. or the Xbox One controller with one hand. You know, all well, of the extra mm-hmm. mechanics that would have to go into that.
1: Not only that, but the shocking thing is the amount of people that benefit from modifications to these is much bigger than you'd expect. Like even people who don't identify as having a disability. Yeah. If you think about it, I don't know if you game much. I do a little bit. Okay. Um, and, and my hands cramp up holding the controller for more than like 30 minutes. Yeah. I don't identify as having any kind of disability, but if I printed some big fat handles, yeah, my hands wouldn't cramp up as much. Well, maybe
0: just a so little more if, potassium, Caleb, would, you yeah, know, maybe. help <laughs> there, <laughs> a, mul- a multivitamin. But, you know, yeah, if you <laughs> no, think I'm about teasing, the I'm fact that, yeah. that
1: there's so many people who don't even think of themselves as having a disability that would benefit from these things. Absolutely. The, the amount of stuff out there is just just huge, yeah huge. The amount of people in need is huge.
0: No, you've right. identified a great little spot and you've identified a great opportunity for uh, 3D printing. And let's be honest, the, that Venn diagram of makers and gamers mm-hmm. is massive as well. So I think yes. it's just got this yeah. great appeal to that, that community as well. I hope that um, you know maybe at some of these future events, you guys can actually have some presence and get some good visibility from that because I think you know, there are a lot of people that would maybe... Inter- if that's something that's even interesting to you, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't like... So like rap rap Fest, I yep. guess I could put up a table there, but it would just be a bunch of 3D prints that are available on printables, you know, I guess on a controller so you could see how they work. Uh, but then also, mm-hmm. I don't want to be stuck to it. I want to go walk around I, and talk I, to people. I, I get right? that. Yep. So, I get that. Mm-hmm. I don't um, know. I guess I could do something.
0: Yeah, uh, but as an exhibitor, I mean, like if you get a free table, I think a RepRap festival is perfect because it's like I wouldn't feel nearly as bad as an exhibitor. To just put it there. Yeah, you go sit down there for an hour, have a couple conversations, get up, walk around. You know, all that stuff. If you're not worried about people, yoinking your controllers and stuff. But it it's it's so. I think it's such a great visual and such a great show and tell. I mean, a lot of these things, like really, it's like the 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 largest show and tell you've ever been to. Right. And, yeah, yeah. and the things that we're exposed to going to these, like that we just didn't even know about it's, it's, is awesome. So, but to your point about, let's just keep it within what makes it enjoyable to you as well. yeah, yeah. I, I, I respect that. I understand. Well, my friend, uh, we could go for hours more. Uh, this was, awesome uh if there is anything we can do to help with the controller project or any of your other ventures uh we are at your disposal i want to thank you for your time i know it is valuable um and i really really appreciate just you kind of sharing your personal journey in the whole thing because i don't think we get into that as much we had a comment uh in the chat earlier that mentioned that you know there's that, the tendency for even if people are being real, that kind of content just doesn't do as well on social media yeah, because people are really. like, well, I don't want to hear somebody, you know, talking about their problems. Um, but I think in the right context like this, it is an important message and a powerful one as well. So thank you. We, we don't probably get mm-hmm. enough of that that real talk. So thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah um guys everybody in the chat thank you so much for joining us for feeding us questions for being along on this journey we always have a good time uh as always like subscribe hit us up on the twitters with ideas for other topics people that you'd like us to talk to all that stuff we love you enjoy your weekend and we will catch you next week next friday for another episode of maker that money until then take care everybody we're signing off Bye. bye bye